Thank you for tuning in to a Centerpoint Church message. Our mission is to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. We hope this message achieves that and inspires you to both grow in your faith and live it out today. Enjoy. Welcome to Centerpoint Church. My name is Aaron Master. I'm the pastor here. Our mission here is to help you take the next step in developing your relationship with God. We like to say we do here what every good Christian church should do, which is to help you connect with God in a worshipful way and help you grow in your relationship with Him. Our style, it just might be a bit different than what you're used to or different than other churches in the area, but we want you to know we're still true to the Bible. We take God very seriously here. We want to guide and encourage you in your weekly walk. Now, right now, we're in our last week of our series that we've been calling Mondays Matter. Whether your Monday's at home with the kids, at school, in an office, online, or at some place of work, Mondays can be rough, right? Work can be rough. Yet what we do and how we live on Monday and every day of the week it matters. It matters. We can see in the beginning of the Bible, in Genesis, God placed us here with the intention to work, right? It's, it's, God put us in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. But that's not always easy to embrace, right? It's not easy to embrace that, especially when you have that person in the office, right? You know that person that starts the week with, or that you start the week with? Y'all know that person. For you, maybe it's the boss that you just can't stand, Maybe it's a coworker who just nags and is negative. I'm going on a limb here. Maybe it's a Karen. Like, that's a saying these days, all the Karens, right? I actually had to check to make sure. Like, I contacted a bunch of Karens around the area. Like, hey, is this offensive or not? And some of them are like, no, nah, not really. Uh, but sometimes people say, don't be a Karen, in a sense. And what that means, if you've never heard that before, is I read an article and it describes it this way. Think of a person calling the police to shut down a kid's lemonade stand because they don't have a permit. That's a Karen, all right? My, my mother-in-law, is at, she's actually here this weekend and her name is Karen, so I've checked with her too and she's like, ah, it's all good. Uh, but anyways, anyways, maybe on Mondays that's who you run into. Maybe on Mondays you have to deal with that customer who just knows all the right things to push your buttons, right? Maybe that person is your kid on Monday, but in a particular mood that tends to hit right at 1 p.m., right? We've all been there. Y'all know exactly what I'm talking about when I say that person, right? And if not, you're probably that person. <laughs> now... I wanted to give you just a few workplace like examples of that person that maybe gets on people's nerves. Check it out. Oh my God, did you hear that it was Patricia who's been eating all of Sarah's organic yogurt? I just heard that Tatiana isn't actually diabetic. She just likes snacks. I just heard that Raquel is going way over her printer quota. <sighs> well look, I cry when I'm scared, all right? And that's just something you'd have to get used to if you're gonna date me. Come on! Okay, Susan, so you know that deck you made? Yeah. Great, um, we're gonna need you to use our font. Oh, yeah, of course. If you just wanna go to the marketing folder, it's right in there, you'll see it. Easy. Perfect, thank you so much. Oh, of course, good talk. Got it. So what is a font? Seeing that person is just one of the Monday struggles, right? But what if, what if you or that coworker changed? What if you chose to be different? What if you made decisions differently? Would it make your Monday better? Would it make your workplace more enjoyable? Would it change things in the future? Could it even change something substantial in the world in the future? 
That's what we're looking at today. How the actions of one, of us, of others in the workplace and every day really can change outcomes. And not just small ones, but impact the future. If you haven't been here for this series, um, we've been studying Nehemiah all month long. Here's what you need to know about Nehemiah. Nehemiah, he's this normal, average guy who is in the Old Testament, and he's of God's people, but God's people are conquered and exiled, meaning they're forced to move away. Well, all of a sudden, they're starting to return and head back to the hometown. And Nehemiah's current job at that time is working for a king of a different nation that wasn't his own. He's a cupbearer, or what I like to describe as the wine taster. Like, kind of a rough job, not really, right? But he overhears while he's in this position that things aren't going well for people who are returning back to the hometown. Because his hometown city is in ruins, and the wall is in ruins, and it breaks his heart. Because God's people are exposed to attack. So he requests the king, his boss, to let him go and repair the walls. And not only that, he asks the king for the supplies to do it. And the king says yes. So he goes and he starts to rebuild, even amidst opposition, even amidst difficulty, even being unskilled. And he's still able to pull it off, become the governor, and he's able to allow people's people to return back to their hometown and set up a God-honoring community that gets back on track of living for God. Now, Nehemiah is this one man who did this one thing or many small things, and it charts the course for families, for generations of moving back to this homeland. Each week of the series, I've been preparing my, my message, and I, what I do is I read through essentially Nehemiah or the whole book every week. So, yeah, if you've been here each week of the series and you're a little sick of Nehemiah, me too, me too. Uh, but if you look at the book of Nehemiah, what I just told you, it covers like the first six chapters of the 13. Then the remaining chapters is Nehemiah tracking the people's return back to Jerusalem and Judah. And it's describing the, how God's people or how God's ways are getting back into reinstated into that city. But there are a number of chapters that read like this in Nehemiah. This is chapter 7, and this is just like half of what's there. Like the family of Parash, 2,172. The family of Shebethai, Era, Elamai, Zadu. Like, it sounds so much better in my head when I read it, but when I read it out loud, it sounds horrible. Uh, but lists like this happen multiple times in Nehemiah, and multiple times in the remaining chapters of Nehemiah. And what this is showing, though, is the decision of families individuals returning to God's ways and moving forward. And this is able to happen because of the restoration of the wall, because of the temple and the community life being restored. Now you maybe see this and you think, this is normally where I get lost when I'm reading the Bible, Aaron. Like those genealogies or those names, they get me. Anyone been there before? Like when you're reading the Bible and you see those things and it just stops you? I know I have. But you might also be thinking, those families are huge. 2,172 people? That's a lot of babies, right? That's a lot of babies. And not only that, those numbers are oddly specific, right? Chapter 10 actually has another list that's similar to this, and it even talks about how they designate certain people to certain roles. Check it out. It says this, like, Nehemiah at the top, the governor is Nehemiah. Then the following priests, it lists the priests. The following Levites, it lists the Levites. The following leaders, it lists all these names. And it just keeps adding more and more people. If you're looking for uh, potential new baby names, the Bible's a good one. Uh, hypothetically speaking, of course, they're timeless. Uh, but these are particular people, right, 
who were important in the return of God's people. They made individual decisions to head back. Others, too, also, if they're not listed here, made decisions. Check it out. In verse 28, it continues. It says, Then the rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the temple servants, and all who had separated themselves from pagan people of the land in order to obey the law of God, together with their wives, sons, and daughters, and all who were old enough to understand, joined their leaders and bound themselves with an oath. They are all making an oath to follow God's ways, to make decisions honorable to God. Every person mattered, and the decisions of those mattered. Nehemiah was one person, right? Made one decision about reconstructing the wall, and it changed things for thousands of people. But what we're looking at today is not just the one decision of Nehemiah, of what he did. I mean, he has the accomplishment of rebuilding the wall, and it's kind of accredited to him. But we're looking at the series of single decisions from lots of people who helped and changed the course for Nehemiah. But not just Nehemiah, the world. People made single decisions and contributed either directly or indirectly in rebuilding of the wall by their choices. I mean, just think of how that like, lines in your own life. Think of how that perspective applies in your own life. Think of all the single decisions others have made and have contributed to your life or your project. Sure, you might be thinking, it's my project. It's me. It's my life. It's my decisions. But when did you have a friend, a coach, a pastor, a teacher, a mentor, a boss, even a random person decide to comment, to do to act and infiltrate what's going on in your life, and it shapes who you are and what you've accomplished. For me, there's a few that kind of came to mind. Early on, before I was even a teenager, I had a family friend say to me, you're really good with kids. That influenced my decision and consideration to pursue education and becoming a teacher and being a teacher. In high school, I was a baseball player, and we didn't have captains on our team or anything like that, but my baseball coach said this to me, or something of the sort. He's like, you're the leader. Get him rallied. Let's go. And I was like, me? Because no one ever spoke that into my life before. He brought the idea that people would see me as the leader, even without a title. Another example of this is, this is a bit embarrassing, but I did swing choir in high school. I honestly did it because that's what all the cute girls in our school did. But in that, I learned from our director how important little details are to an event, to a service, to, to things like a church. And at that time, I was thinking, she's kind of being a Karen about the details right now. But it had an impact on me, and it influenced what I do today. In college, I, uh, I, the head guy of the education department, my degree's in education, and I went to UW-Green Bay, and he knew I was really into running. He was too. And he invited me to do this 80-mile run with like five other people. And I was like, whoa, you see me as valuable? But not only that, being with this group of other older individuals, it allowed me to see that at a time that I was on the fence of faith and kind of just partying it up, it allowed me to see that you can still have fun without getting hammered. I had a time where I had this giant project to get done. And I was beat, but I had a friend say, I'm going to stick it out with you. I'm going to help you finish it. I had this time where my former boss, actually, I had zero ministry experience, and he says to me, I see something in you. I think you could do something in ministry. Zero experience. And it got me to where I'm at today. All of these, 
although our little actions or comments by others, it formed me into being a leader, a Christian man, one who embraces certain type of fun, one who does what I do today. Some of these are just names that I'm saying or, or past relationships to me today, but each of these made a decision to invest in me. And their seemingly little yet big decision to me mattered to me. We have such an interconnected web of events and people that shape us to who we are as individuals today. And lots of that boils down to single decisions people make. As you hear me talk about me, I want you to think about you for a second. Who are the people who have pushed you to be who you are today? Who has influenced you to make the decisions you have made today? What are the positive interactions you've had that you just can't forget? And I also want you to specifically think, when have you been the mentor? When have you been the encourager or the coach that's doing something that matters? Now, again, what you do, it matters. What you decide to advocate for, be obedient to, to say, to persevere through, it matters. It matters in the workplace. It matters in your families. It matters in your community. It matters in the world. And this is something that we can clearly see in Nehemiah, uh, the book of Nehemiah, and the thousands of decisions or the thousands of decisions of unknown people who helped rebuild the wall with Nehemiah. There's a section of the book that we're going to look at, and it shows how the decisions of others truly pushed Nehemiah that I think can teach us what type of decisions we need to make so that our decisions matter. The, we'll start. It's in Nehemiah 4, and we're going to kind of go through things. And it says this, Tobiah the Ammonite, who was standing beside him, remarked, that stone wall would collapse even if a fox walked along the top of it. This is as they're rebuilding things. Then Nehemiah, he prays, hear us, our God, for we are being mocked. May their scoffing fall back on their own heads, and may them, they themselves become captives in a foreign land. Do not ignore their guilt. Do not blot out their sins, for they have provoked you to anger here in front of the builders. Yikes, right? That's intense. That's an intense prayer. This wasn't one of Nehemiah's most grace-giving prayers or forgiveness-like prayers, but he doesn't quite have the Jesus example of forgiveness in a sense yet, right? But what he is is he's mad. He's frustrated. And if you were here two weeks ago, this is an example of how our heart breaks and how God prompts us to pursuing a vision. Our heart breaks and we pursue something against it. That's what's happening to him. Well, if we continue, just a few verses later, it says, Then the people of Judah, they began to complain as they're building. The workers are getting tired and there's so much rubble to be moved. We will never be able to build the wall by ourselves. Meanwhile, our enemies were saying, before they know what's happening, we're going to swoop down on them and kill them and end their work. So yeah, they have that going for them too, right? People wanting to kill them and stop them, and they're tired. They're tired. Well, it continues. The Jews who lived near the enemy came and told us again and again, they will come from all directions and attack us. So I, Nehemiah, placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas. I stationed the people to stand guard by families armed with swords, spears, and bows. Yikes, right? Can you imagine people showing up and telling you that? Giving you that news. Can you imagine being the person delivering that news? Hey, by the way, you're going to get attacked soon, right? That would not be a fun thing to deliver. Well, just a few more verses. Then, as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Nehemiah encourages them 
And then a few verses later, it says, we worked early and late from sunrise to sunset. And half the men were always on guard. I also told everyone living outside the walls to stay in Jerusalem. That way when their, their servants could help with the guard duty at night and work during the day. During this time, none of us, not I, nor my relatives, nor my servants, nor the guards who were with me, ever took off our clothes. We carried our weapons with us at all times, even when we went for water. So we're seeing there's this series of events that are happening, right? that prompt different people that have influence on the build. There's negativity, there's tiredness, there's threats, there's having to work in fear. But they stay the course and they finish it. What's interesting, though, is how they got through this is there is a counter to almost all of those negative actions, those negative things, by single decisions individuals make. One person decides to pray about it and ask for encouragement. That's Nehemiah. And we see it worked. One person, he decides to persevere. Actually, many people decide to persevere and keep building, to get through the tiredness. And they keep going with the build and finish it. One person decides to get ready for future attacks. And one person even decides to like, share the news that you're going to be attacked in the future. And it allows them to prepare. One person decides to show up to work even when they're in fear about a project. The wall gets rebuilt by the work of many, but they all had to make decisions, individual decisions to push, to do, to see that what they are doing matters. And those individual decisions, it changed the course for the history of God. So much so that we're learning from it today, right? It's changing the course for us today. Although you might be thinking, Come on now, Aaron. Like, one person's decision changes the course of plans, of futures, of generations, are today? I want you to think, though. Absolutely, right? Absolutely. There are a lot of things that we can choose to do that seems so minuscule, in, in a sense, but they can change a situation for many. For example, check this one out. Does it make sense to you? I'll get the bean burrito. And then his buddy's like, oh... That doesn't sound good to me, right? It, it, it's silly, but the idea is true. Our choices have an impact on others, whether we are intentional about them or not, and they can have lasting effects. What are your choices today? What are your choices today leaving on others' futures? Do you say encouragement when you think it? That will maybe push someone somewhere, sometime? Do you persevere when it gets tough for, for the team or when things get long that gets you to the end? Are you willing to show up even when you're fearful about things so that it motivates others? Well, what we're going to spend our remaining time on today is looking at some of the specific choices people made that happened in Nehemiah. Sorry, because I think there are a couple obvious things that we can see help lead them to success and accomplishment of both the wall, but also God's ways for all the community. And see that we can replicate a lot of these things as well. Because don't you want that for others? Don't you want that? Wouldn't it be nice if our decisions brought more success to others? If you've been to a message that I've done here before, you might be thinking, all right, let's hear Aaron's three points about this. But it's spring break, so it's not three, it's two, because I was a little lazy. Um, actually, <laughs> being serious here, Scripture really points to two types of decisions that people would make, the two types of decisions people would do. And what they are is there's times we see people stay in, and there's times we see people step out in their decisions. There, uh, there's, we're going to look at some specifics, but 
for the first one, I want to look at how in Nehemiah's story, people made decisions or had times where they stepped out of the normal. Uh, I want to show you a little clip of what I'm talking about. They say step off, think step out. Check it out. What would you say to a bully? Zach? I don't know. No, come on. If someone was right up in your grill, what would you say? I don't know. If someone was pushing you around, telling you what to do, what would you say? Step off. Step out! Step out! Step out! Step out! Everybody! Step out! Step out! I didn't hear you singing. You said everybody. Come on now. Step off. <laughs> All right, so a bit harsh, right? And crude and maybe not totally church appropriate. But there are times you got to go against the status quo. Step out push against something that seems normal, right? Your decisions at work, home, with others, they need, sometimes you need to go against what's typical, routine, what everyone else does. If you're focusing on the, a single decision of the hundreds you make a day, there are going to be times you have to step out. Doing what you feel is right in God's eyes is sometimes stepping out. Here's where we see it in Nehemiah. Remember the people who decided to tell Nehemiah others are going to attack? Well, delivering the news that, hey, another fellow like country is going to come and attack you, that's not like a fun thing to deliver, right? They had to step out of what's normal and push themselves to do something that's a little out of their typical schedule. Uh, there's also a time where Nehemiah sees his people are afraid. He says this to them. Then as I looked over the situation, I called the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, he sees they're afraid, and instead of being like, y'all lazy, tired, scared people, get to back to work, he doesn't say that. He steps out in encouragement. Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, your homes. When do you need to step out? When do you need to make a single decision that could impact others? For you, is it stepping out with something that you just see is wrong? Maybe it's injustice. Maybe it's taking action on a cause. Maybe it's stopping that person from saying something or doing something so crude at work. Maybe it's taking a risk at work. There are ones we tend to think of that are easy to combat, are easy for us to think of that are, tend to be negative, right? There tend to be these negative things, and it's easy for us to combat them because it's like, oh, that just feels off. But then there's times where you step out and you add as in giving to the positive. The stepping out is saying thank you when not necessary. The stepping out is saying an encouraging comment when it wasn't really something people were expecting. It's showing up sometimes, even when you don't have to. I want to let you in on a little secret of my life, or my life with my wife. And uh, I don't know what you know about me, um, but my life is pretty much here. Just kind of like normal, typical, routine, chill. My wife and I, we, we drink coffee, we work, we make dinner, we eat, spend a little time with our kid, watch a show, go to bed, repeat. Coffee... Work, make dinner, play with our kid, watch a show, go to bed, eat, right? And repeat. We add in some social engagements, but we do a lot of the same stuff. We have a lot of the same conversations. Even mimic some of the same utterances in our conversation. Ooh, ah, whoa, that's interesting. Tell me more. That's unique. Now, we share real things with each other. We do meaningful things with each other. We even plan for fun events for each other. And we do all these fun, cool things sometimes. And in our minds, it's like, that was so fun, that was so great, let's do more of that, yay. But rarely do we express that. Rarely do we ever show the strong emotion verbally 
or give the gratitude verbally. We never express it out loud. Life is kind of here. It's kind of here. It's kind of like a line. I'm being a bit vulnerable here, but can anybody relate to that? Like, life is kind of just here sometimes. All right, maybe just me. Well, what if, though? What if instead, when you see something you love or are enjoying something with your wife or whoever, you stepped out? Sydney, she, she cooked something amazing. What if I stepped out and I was just like, wow, that's amazing. That dinner is amazing. Thank you so much. Or just, wow, you, you cooked dinner. Yay, right? Or we, we provide a service for each other. Wow, thank you. Like, thanks for cleaning the house. That was so awesome. You, you didn't have to do that. Or a fun event we planned. Thanks for taking the time to plan that. That's awesome. Thanks for putting the time in. Instead of being here, what if we stepped out and expressed things? As you think about yourself, are you doing that? Are you expressing things? Stepping out with your spouse, your kids, at work, with the people you interact with? Stepping out, it takes work, right? Living here is no work. It's just here. Stepping out takes work. It takes intentionality. It's a catalytic thing that inspires more of it, though, once you do it. And there's no greater place that we can see the effects of this as we sit here in church than with faith. Faith is something where if you step out in faith, you can see that there's tons of catalytic things that happen after that. It's faith is full of singular decisions that change the course of the future for individuals, for families, for people that witness from afar, for churches. This church, it was planted a little less than like two years ago. And if you know me, you know I'm all about outreach. Like, yay, like, let's reach more people. And more people in attendance usually means we're reaching more. It's exciting to me. I'm not going to lie. I like numbers. We had almost 200 people here last week. I'm like, woo, this is awesome. Like, it's full. It's feeling good. I like full services. I like lots of people. I like growth. But all that is meaningless without single decisions from individual people. Single decisions to attend church to grow. Single decisions to follow Jesus. An individual is making that decision. Single decisions to get baptized, which means showing your faith publicly. Large numbers are great because they show many individual decisions doing that, of stepping out and doing what is culturally sometimes not normal today. And that's exciting. But just one individual decision to do that, one of those things, it matters. It matters. Nehemiah, he made a step-out decision to rebuild the wall for God. And it influenced others to make more singular decisions to help. His decision started something. There's a song that talks a little bit about this. Uh, it's by a Christian artist named Toby Mac. Uh, and it's called It Starts With Me. I want to play a little bit of it for you. Um, but I think it just applies so well to what we're talking about when it comes to stepping out. Check it out. I was born with two, two dirty hands something my daddy didn't understand something his daddy didn't understand so it starts with me i was raised with distrust in my heart mama told me we're worlds apart her mama told her don't even bother so it starts with me because we can be free yeah yeah i know that let's try to fix the things that's been broken we can be free yeah yeah i know that but it starts with me what starts with you is it stepping out by just making the comment? The comment of thanks, of love, of encouragement, of appreciation? Is it changing how things are maybe done at work? You're saying no to inequality, or no to sexism or racism or crudeness that really does hurt people. You do that by not participating and maybe calling that person out. 
Maybe it's changing how often you come to church. Or maybe it's getting baptized. Or maybe it's, it's advocating for your family to go to certain things. You're stepping out and making a commitment so that others follow. What's tugging you to step out? Now on the other side of this thing, the other side that we see with Nehemiah is there's times where you stay in. You stay in. There are times you submit to authority. There's times you maintain what you're doing. There's times you stick to what is in place. There's times you stay in even when you don't want to. If we go back to Nehemiah's rebuilding in Nehemiah 4.21, it says, We worked early and late from sunrise to sunset, and half the men were always on guard. I also told everyone living outside the walls to stay in Jerusalem. That way they and their servants could help with guard duty at night and work during the day. During this time, none of us, not I, nor my relatives, nor my servants, nor the guards who were with me, ever took off our clothes. We carried our weapons with us at all times, even when we went for water. Who wants to do that? No one, right? No one wants to do that. It sounds super smelly. It sounds super slow. It sounds super tiring, right? But they stayed in. They stayed in. Both Nehemiah and his workers made singular choices to persevere. His choice to stay consistent kept them moving forward in the build. Nehemiah, he's credited the rebuild of the wall, right? But it's so much more than just Nehemiah that is just as important. The workers made choices to stay consistent because they stayed and finished it. It's what also motivated Nehemiah. Them staying is what motivated him. Because we all have a breaking point, right? We all have a breaking point. Could you work day and night forever? No, right? You'd eventually break down. I mean, just think of working out. Like, you eventually get tired. Think of, like, your least favorite workouts. Like, maybe it's, maybe it's like, body squats. Maybe it's burpees or pull-ups. Maybe it's planking. I hate planking. Anybody else hate planking? Here's a picture of planking. This is me and my wife from last night. We're just doing a plank real quick. Uh, why is that funny? <laughs> okay. There's a study, actually, that was done uh, that those who exercise with a partner increased their plank time by 24%. It increased by 24%. When we make decisions to stay in, not only does it keep you moving forward through accountability, it also brings out your best. It brings out your best. Where is that for you? Where is that for you? Maybe you're called to be a worker, sticking to something, because your consistency, it changes others. Maybe it's at work, like your attitude, your demeanor, it changes things. Maybe it's, it's in a marriage, you're sticking to it because you know it's what God wants. Maybe it's on a team, even though you like, don't play, but you know you're needed for the encouragement aspect of things. Maybe it's even with church. In the church world, it's pretty common for people to leave church over different things. As a pastor, it hurts. It hurts sometimes. We're getting to be a bigger church, and let's be real, we're, we're not going to agree on everything when it comes to church. I also get there's this like, natural separation sometimes that people go through, and there's this time for changes. But if everyone left this church all of a sudden, wow, that would hurt. That would really hurt me. People staying in, enduring through things, no matter how long you've been coming, it motivates. It motivates me. It motivates others. Sometimes staying in and doing what you always do is the singular decision God wants from us in a season. Are there any uh, big March Madness fans out there? Come on now, who's a March Madness fan? Who's been watching a little bit of basketball? I don't know if you've been following, like there's like this big upset with St. Peter's now. They're in the Elite Eight. Who know, who's heard of St. Peter's being in the Elite Eight? Okay, good, good. Were there any big uh, 2021 St. Peter fans? Not a lot. All right, how about 2022 now? All right, so, okay, okay. 
Well, here's a little clip of the last few seconds of their game against the Goliath, like Purdue, uh, and how they defeated them. Check it out. Shaheen Holloway will not foul if it's a three-point game, but it's a four-point game. 65, 61, 12 seconds left. Ivy has to hurry. Jump shot. Good! A three! One-point game with eight seconds to go. Now you're going for the quick foul on the catch. You don't have time to try to tie it up. Get it in for Lee. Waits for defenders to wow, come to too him. too much time. Four seconds left. Edward is fouled at midfield. A wave. 67-64. seconds left. They don't like the foul, remember. Ivy for the tie. Off the rim, and it's over. Did you see what they did? Nothing special. Nothing really special. They made consistent, normal decisions. Basketball, it's a series of consistent choices of stepping out and staying in, right? Sometimes you step out taking shots, moving one step closer, passing, or sometimes you stay in, holding onto the ball longer, not passing, dribbling. And those decisions matter in the game. Those decisions matter in life. As I'm getting close to wrapping up, have you evaluated that each decision you do matters? Matters. It's what makes your Mondays matter. Sometimes you stay in, sometimes you step out. It's what led to Nehemiah's success. Because Nehemiah, he seeked out what God wanted from him. He wanted to, when he saw that God wanted him to stay in, he stayed in. When, he wanted God to step, wanted God, when God prompted him to step out, he stepped out. And then he made decisions to follow through with those things. This way of Nehemiah, it's also the way of Jesus. Jesus stepped out. He fought the religious norms. He spent time with people who no one wanted to spend time with. But then he also stayed in at times by going to the cross, enduring pain, enduring suffering, dying. He stayed in. He stepped out and stayed in for our sake. Have you ever thought about stepping in and staying, stepping out and staying in for God's sake? If you've never embraced that before, I want you to know that stepping out and staying in, it's what God did for you so that you can be with him, but it's also something that God wants to, you to be able to do for him as well. If you're feeling like you're here today and you feel like, oh, I, I, I'm not close to God, but I feel like I need to start stepping out or staying in for God, and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus before, I want you to know that's probably God prompting you. It's probably God calling you to, and tugging you towards him, saying, I want you to live for me. If you've never done that or have never embraced that before, I want you to know all it is is you saying in your head and your heart that, God, I want to follow you. I want to connect with you. I know I've made mistakes, but I want to step in and stay out for you. Prompt me on how to do that well. And you could start a relationship with Jesus. That decision, that start, might be the most single, most important decision in your life. I'm going to pray in a second here and give you a chance to do that to God. Uh, but then I'm also going to pray for us that maybe have done that before. And we're thinking about ways how we can step out and stay in in our life. Stepping out and staying in for God in our decisions. And I want God to give us clear ideas of how to do that. So if you want those clear ideas and you want to ask God to give you those clear ideas, you can pray with me right now. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for uh, giving us the example of Nehemiah of how sometimes we have to step out and stay in. And God, I just pray that some of us for the first time we, we are assessing our lives and we're seeing that there are times we should step out and stay in for you. We're not connected to you yet, but God, we, we're saying, God, we want to be close to you. We want a relationship with you. We want, we want connection with you. We know that you stepped out and stayed in for us, and we want to embrace that uh, for you. 
And then God, some of us right now, we're trying to figure out what exactly we should be stepping out for and what exactly we should be staying in for. And God, I just pray that you make that really clear to us this week, whatever that is for us, so that we can act on it and continue to follow you well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.